blindly following is not something that we are typically good at. Millennials and work. So much of what we know comes from surveys and data sets. But how much do the people behind the label actually fit the profile? We ask four people in the first stages of their career journey. What do they need from leaders? Authority, uh, being approachable, knowledgeable about what you're doing. Is being a millennial really all about me? Why we're all here is because of people. And what are they optimistic about as they look across their career journey? People seem to be having a lot more autonomy, more choice. Welcome to Insight Edge, the podcast all about leadership from the Australian Institute of Management. My name's Kirsten Lees, and this is the third in our four-part series all about careers and leadership. Of course, this tiny sample of four is not scientific. The young people we spoke to for Insight Edge were thoughtful about leadership as they encounter it and as they are developing the capabilities in themselves. First, we spoke to Lauren Stokoe, a forensic analyst from Canberra. She talks about constructing a career path that will allow her to stay relevant and the challenges of the multi-generational workforce. I'm a forensic analyst in the private sector. So what I do is I work a lot on fraud control for Commonwealth government clients, meaning prevention uh, techniques and control systems to be able to prevent and detect fraud and then to... Uh, investigate it once it occurs, if it occurs. And what stage of your career are, are you at now? Fairly, fairly early stages of my career. So last year I was a graduate. This year I'm now an analyst, which is obviously the next level up. And at the moment I'm undertaking sort of a leadership course to be able to learn how to manage and lead people so that I can progress to that next stage. How does the kind of concept of, of working into your 70s look like from, from where you stand? Well, I guess being in my early 20s, it's increasingly um, becoming a reality for the younger generations that we are going to have to work for the next 40 to 50 years um, and that bit longer than our parent generations before us as sort of access to our super, for instance, keeps getting pushed back. To me, I look at the sort of technology changes that have occurred in the last 40 years. And it makes me wonder sort of what's going to happen in the next 40. So if you look at, um, for instance, the baby boomers at the moment, many say that they are valued for their experience. But in a lot of positions, they've been replaced by younger generations that are technologically savvy. Um, so that's only going to be exasperated when you're 70 and my own grandchildren are in the workforce with me. So my biggest fear is becoming irrelevant. Um, so how do you plan for that? I think talking to my parents and their parents, stability was the number one factor. For me, it's education, um, how I remain relevant and how I can keep energised for the next 40 to 50 years um, are the biggest things. So I'd be looking at a job that has many different opportunities and fluidity so that I can keep updating my skills and so that I can keep interested and passionate in my work so that I can sustain the next decades to come. You know, you're doing a leadership course. What does leadership mean to yeah. you? Um, to me, I guess it's two factors. Of course, the sort of traditional view of leaders that you would 
inspire someone and develop that vision and inspire someone. But I think the main part of leadership is not just inspiring that vision, but motivating towards people towards actually achieving it and giving people the tools they need, which I think is something that is quite often missed is being able to one articulate something but then to be able to have the ability to motivate people to actually do what you see a lot of people talk about emotional intelligence is that just a you know fashionable leadership cliche (laughs) um no absolutely and looking at leaders around me i guess because i'm younger and i don't have any perceived notions of the workforce yet um You can really tell the leaders and the people that you work with, even if it's just a colleague, that are a bit more emotionally intelligent and socially intelligent. And while they've become, like for me, while I was at university, they were certainly buzzwords that were thrown around a lot, but you do see them a lot in reality in the workforce. And I think that um, the leaders that are emotionally intelligent and the ones that value it in their staff tend to have the stronger teams. And what attributes in a leader do you admire? Um, The ability to uh, lead by example. So a lot of leaders, I mean, I'm in the private sector, so you can imagine how good (laughs) the bosses are at articulating what they want done and where they see their vision being. Um, But actually walking that through and achieving that is very different. So the ability to show us how to do something and why is the biggest, especially for my generation. The blindly following is not something that we are typically good at. So we need to know why and how it contributes to a broader perspective. And, yeah, just being able to, uh, I guess, see things from broader perspectives in terms of that work-life balance or that emotional connection Uh, with their staff, meaning, for instance, I have employers that might make you work until 2 or 3 a.m. and then employers that might make you work until, say, 6 p.m., but I would actually prefer to work until 2 a.m. with this person because of the work that I do and the work that they'll be sitting next to me. If you're a manager, say, 33 in 10 years' time, you might be managing people who are in their 60s. Do you have any kind of gut response to the kind of concept of the multi-generational workforce? I think the only way through that is um, back to our buzzwords of emotional intelligence and communication. I think being able to talk to people and understand what it is that they want um, and what it is that they value and respecting that is going to be become more and more important. Giving a very different example, but my younger sister is a nurse and obviously as a nurse she's a registered nurse and works with people that um, didn't go through university but they have years and years of experience and quite often that experience can just instantly become disregarded because someone has come in with um, a fancier title or a younger perspective but that person is incredibly valuable to that team and it's the stronger nurses and the stronger leaders that will actually value those nurses with those years of experience but not that piece of paper just as much as that registered nurse and I think that that sort of while it's a very different example to the work that I do it's translatable in that you need to value people for what they can bring but you can't know what they can bring until you communicate and talk with them 
Our next guest is Ashan Karunagaran. Ashan has focused career goals and clear leadership ambitions. He believes the right experience with flexibility and focus will deliver his goals. Uh, I'm currently studying at the moment, so I don't work full-time as of yet. Uh, but the plan is to you know, finish university and then go straight into the um, airline industry in terms of you know, something corporate and, and managerial. Um, yeah, I'm trying to build up work experience along the way with kind of smaller jobs. Um, so I'm currently doing a, like a casual part-time job with a travel company um, that involves lower workload and just involves some research and some analysis, but it, it works to get me put a foot into the airline industry already. Look, I've always wanted to work in the, the, the top-end management within an airline. So within the midterm, I'd look to work in, um, in a start with uh, graduate uh, positions or internships and whatever with um, major airlines like Qantas or whatever. Um, but then later on, long term, I want to work, you know, quite high up within an airline or if you've even considered things like starting my own companies to do with travel like travel agencies, travel management companies. So leadership is something that you're aspiring to? Mm -hmm, exactly. What does that mean? Look, leadership for me, I think, for a start, it's in a position where, where, where what you say actually carries some weight with people. Um, and they will listen to you and they will take on board what you say and use it to, to work differently to make things happen. There, I mean, I've come across a, lot, a wide range of different types of leaders and I see, whenever I think of leaders, I, I always think of people, you know, executives, company executives and people like um, Go Chun Pong, the CEO of Singapore Airlines or uh, Richard Branson, for example. And so if we take those two as, as examples, they, they have very different leadership styles but accomplish tasks and both of them accomplish tasks really, really well. Whereas, so say, uh, Mr. Go, for example, they're all about, you know, proficiency and efficiency and doing things by the book um, and in a very strict manner. But whilst being strict, whilst being strict and efficient can be, uh, seem a little bit restrictive, it gets the job done really, really well. Whereas Richard, Richard Branson, on the other hand, is more um, relaxed and casual and about including, um, including people in decision-making processes and making people, making other people part of the leadership process. So, the, I mean, for me, the three, with, with those two, the three biggest values are having a little bit of authority so that people are listening to you and, care, and what you say is um, significant. Um, uh, being approachable, being in a situation where everyone around you can actually come up to you and talk to you and voice any concerns or whatever, because if you're over-authoritative, then that is not going to carry through. The other thing is to be, like, knowledgeable about what you're doing because you see a lot of leaders who are, who've been put into this position where they um, you know where they've given the task of managing people but they don't they themselves don't know much about the task itself and um, are, you know, they can't empathize with the people who are uh, who they're managing so they need to a leader needs to be very knowledgeable and completely in the know about the task that they are doing so that um, you know they can understand what the people, what their people are doing, and they can empathize with them and, and assist them. Look, I guess the idea is, firstly, the, the thing about emotional intelligence and you know bringing yourself to work is that you're all, as a leader, you have to be quite open and emotionally aware of what el what is going on around people around you and what's going on with yourself, in such a way where you can connect with everyone you're working with. 
because if you're if you're too closed and too above them and you know you might get the task done but not to such a high standard because tasks are achieved so much better when there's like a complete cooperation between the upper management and the lower management for example so by being completely emotionally open and understanding what people want and understanding yourself you're promoting that that openness and connectivity the way i approach get careers and academics and stuff is to kind of get things done as quickly as possible and you know put in the effort and reach reach the higher goals sooner rather than later i feel like if you can if you think about the idea of longevity and the fact that you're going to be there for a long time and you're going to have those opportunities for a longer time you'll tend to to delay um to delay taking big steps and making things happen so if you if you put that out of your mind and you just focus on the now you're in a position where you're just you're moving up quicker and that yeah it, it promotes the chances of doing better Michael Anson is an engineer who works as a project manager on large infrastructure projects. It's especially interesting to hear how he values emotional intelligence as a core skill. So I've been out of university for two and a half years now. I've been working as an assistant project manager at a engineering consultancy. So on a day-to-day basis, uh, the work is quite broad. Uh, it's all orientated around quality, time and uh, the costs of delivering an outcome for a client and in our in in my world those outcomes are all physical so right now i'm working on building refurbishments in the cbd uh, and previously i had been working out uh, at the airport on civil projects uh, i guess under uh, my organization's framework i've just gone through the graduate program uh and so i'm emerging now and i'm in that uh, intermediate position and, and looking for kind of the next opportunities and uh done a fair bit of the upfront planning and now continuing on to see where this takes me and i i value diversity in the experience uh so i don't have anything really set in stone but i have an understanding of what I'd like to get out of my career as well. When you think about the next steps and the kind of the horizon that you're working to, how far do you map forward? I do have stretch goals, so I do when I think about gaining experience, I I think about how this will add to the full picture uh 20 years down the track, but I also have uh goals that are very much um short-sighted. and are looking at the next uh 3 to 5 years and that next step ahead how to take that one step keeping in mind you know that that 20 year how it all will fold together and i think that's important as well in in what i'm doing as a project manager as well the experience is really diverse and uh, i don't want to kind of set a set myself apart and uh realize or miss out on the opportunities that um being a bit more flexible offers. So what does leadership mean to you? Well, I guess it's multifaceted, but I think it really distills down to creating a, a an environment that fosters and capitalizes on uh individuals' potential. So, well, I guess it's their ability to 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 tailor their processes around the the context and and, and what they're doing. So in in leaders that I admire uh, a lot of it is taking that time to to 
sit down, uh, explain to me the, the broader picture of what's going on and, and really take an interest in myself as well as the work that I'm doing as well. And there are some, some great people that, uh, that do spend a lot of time to uh, have the discussions with you and uh, to teach you the, the broader context of what you're doing. Uh, I do understand my limitations in it. That sometimes I get stuck too much in the detail and uh, forget about the reasons why I'm, I'm doing things and, and why uh, a project is happening. I guess the key one for me that, that I feel I have to work on and, and that I'm trying to emphasize is, is how to uh, relate to people and that emotional intelligence. I think that's really interesting because that is something I hear a lot both from established leaders who are trying to develop it and uh, from recruiters who are looking to recruit new leaders or it's something that really does hit a note with people who are not yet in leadership positions and you're suggesting that you value it. Well, it does definitely mean something to me and, you know, the reason why we're all here is because of people and that's what it comes down to and so our ability to relate to people get people to buy into uh, the, the broader picture. Um, that's really what it comes down to. And finally, Ella Stein has had three career pivots in four years. She believes it shows flexibility that is building towards a long, resilient and rewarding working life. I asked her what leadership meant to her. I think it means that you, and this is a bit, I guess, simple, but you make people make things happen. So... You don't do it, but you help facilitate that action that your team can complete and you kind of, I guess you steer the ship, but you're not necessarily the one that's doing all that dirty work, I guess. And then I guess another thing is that you, you're coaching them um, and you're passing on knowledge so that they can, they can do things for themselves and then pass that on to, to whoever they're coaching and, and leading. A big thing for me is authenticity. Being able to say it like it is, really, being able to kind of call it out, being really open and honest in in communication, but also in who that leader is. People are quite smart. People can kind of tell. And I think when I kind of first came into this kind of, yes, corporate world, it was really easy for me to spot who I liked because, because they were kind of their true self. I still think that um, charisma really plays like such a big part of leadership, that ability to connect with people. If you connect with someone, you can probably motivate them to do what you want and perhaps you can find out what they want. Another leadership attribute that I really like is that patience. Um, having patience really helps set a team up um, because, you know, you're willing to kind of take it, take, take it down a notch and really explain to people, you know, what's happening or, um, or, you know, how to do things a different way. I also asked Ella what she thought of the idea of working into her 70s. I think it's quite daunting when you think about it. Like, I guess technically I'm four years in and at least 50 to go. What makes me um, quite, um, I guess, hopeful for, um, for my future career and definitely the career of, um, of people graduating university now is that people seem to be having a lot more um, autonomy in terms of what they want to do, more um, choice. You know, the big accounting firms or the consulting firms it's not just about having an accounting major anymore. Actually, 
you can still work there if you if you're an engineer or if you have an arts background. Having such a diverse um, set of skills will actually kind of set you up for so many different switches that you can do. Twenty percent or of young people now will actually own their own businesses, and I think that sets people up a lot longer because they can really do what they love and and build businesses for such a long period of time. So. Yeah, I mean, I've only got I've got my three year plan, but yeah, not not really looking to like that 100 year plan. But yeah, I think um, as kind of the workplace evolves, there'll be so much more opportunity. Definitely in the past, I have been extremely organized, I guess, in terms of my career, you know, I was I was always really excited to get into it to have like the five year plan, the 10 year plan. But, you know, with that kind of realization that perhaps this is not the right path for me. I kind of decided to actually be a bit more fluid, I guess, um, and let opportunities come my way. Next week, in part four of our series on careers and leadership, we talk to Madhav Chinapa, who gives himself the title The Technically Dumbest Guy at Google about how he has made the switch from a traditional media company to a leadership career with Google. This is Insight Edge from the Australian Institute of Management, brought to you with the production support of The Naked Coach. If you've enjoyed this podcast, why not subscribe to be the first to listen to future episodes and to catch up on some of the other podcasts we've done, including interviews with Leanne Kemp, startup entrepreneur, Mike Hanley, head of digital from the World Economic Forum, David Hall, Qantas executive and Jetstar CEO, Louise Robinson, CEO of the Nambucca Heads at Local Aboriginal Land Council, Alex Christie from Lendlease, Peter Hall, the founder of Hunter Hall, and Wendy Johnston, Salesforce Vice President of marketing for the asia pacific this has been another episode of insight edge with me kirsten lees you can read more about leadership from the australian institute of management at leadershipmatters.com.au let us know what you think by subscribing to the podcast on itunes and leaving us a review or get in touch by email research at aim.com.au